Desperate Housewives super fans, welcome back to We Know What You Did. It makes us sick. We're going to tell. I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. We actually remembered our intro today. I know. Now I don't know what to say after the intro because we always <laughs> <really> forget it. <laughs> Did you ever read Twilight? No, and I've never seen the movies. Me neither. No way. And on one hand, I'm curious about it, but also I like that I've never seen them. Yeah, and once you've seen something, you can't unsee it. So if you want to maintain that, yeah. <laughs> you can't control Z and experience. So I think I'm good. Anyway, what was your moment of desperation this week? Well, I didn't really have one particular moment of desperation, but I will say I did teach three classes this week and uh, the kids are really trying my patience. I don't know if it's because we're creeping closer to Christmas and they know they're going to be getting on break for a while and they're all excited, but I went to my class on Friday believing that it was the last one of the semester for that specific school and I'm all excited to like bring these kids some candy uh, one side note, they are always asking for food. I don't know what's going on, but we need to start feeding kids. <laughs> They're always hungry. They might not get enough food because of the Michelle Obama Act. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> might still be in place. <laughs> They're only having celery at lunch. Yeah. No, I mean, the kids come up to me after school and immediately they're like, did you bring candy? Did you bring snacks? Did you eat lunch today? <laughs> like, I will often, especially this week, have students who I'll give them a snack out of the goodness of my heart. And a few hours later, they're like, hey, do you have any other snacks? And I'm like, don't you think that if I had more snacks, I would have given them to you by now? It's about common sense. It doesn't compute in my brain that this is a job that you do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. I think it's because, this, like, in my mind, nothing happens in New York when I'm not there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. My Sims have jobs. Yeah, I'm your little Sim, and I reluctantly have a job. Um, enough about my desperation. What about yours? I feel like I need to tell them about my experience at Universal Studios last weekend. Because the rest of the week, you know, nothing crazy happened to me. I feel like I had some work-related moments of desperation, but I'm under an NDA, so I can't speak on that. Um, but basically, I went to Universal last weekend, and I was already going to see Wish at the AMC Universal. Again, if you want to spot me, I'm in there a lot. Lovely establishment. It's where I saw FNAF. I know you did. I thought about that when I walked in there the other night. I was like, wow, Summer came here by herself at 2 p.m. to go see FNAF. <laughs> so I was like, I already had a ticket to, with my, our friend Callie, who is not a listener, to go see Wish. So, and my other friends invited me to go to Universal around 4 o'clock p.m. 
So I was like, sure, I will go there for a few hours before the movie. It was the longest three hours of my life because Universal Studios did not want me to be there very clearly. Like I knew it was going to be busy. It was Thanksgiving weekend. So it was like, that's fine. I'm an annual pass holder, so I don't care. We just wanted to meet the Grinch because it's Grinchmas. <laughs> and um, so we get in line for the annual pass holder Grinch. And I was like, you know, I want to get a churro. Why am I in that line for 35 minutes? For a churro? For a churro for 35 minutes, yeah. And because I was on the lower lot and I don't know if there were any other places to get a churro. It was so busy. So I was like, I don't even want to bother walking around right now. I could have mobile ordered. But I said, there's no way it's going to take that long. The mobile order would have been 10 minutes. <gasps> that was on me. So I go back up with my churro and my Coke Zero. And I rejoin my group of friends. They're close to the front of the line now. And I started talking and I talk with my hands a lot. I flung my churro <gasps> across the line. I didn't have much left of it. But it flew out of my hand. Oh, no. Fine, fine. So I threw out what's, rest, what's left of my churro. And that's what also have super fans. If you're like, this is ridiculous. Like, why are you complaining? Get, it gets worse. So then we go up to meet the Grinch. We all get a group photo. <laughs> there was a lot of us in this photo. And I was like, I want a solo photo with the Grinch. This is the, I'm not even going to put it in the photo dump because I don't want this anywhere <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> This attendant <laughs> took the worst photos of me that, like, I don't even look like myself. Like, No, you don't. It, uh, the lighting was just terrible. And he didn't turn on flash like we had on for the other one. He was just, I, I don't know, upset that I asked for a solo picture. I don't know. But only took two. I wasn't even smiling. I'm not even ready in these pictures. I'm like, I waited in line to meet the Grinch. I feel like a theme park adult for an hour. We're in line. And it's a terrible photo. And I look large, too, because I had a huge coat on, which for a good angle, it looks great. It looks in style. But, oh, my God, it was so bad. And then I was just, like, giggling, laughing, whatever. And I'm like, wow, look at these photos of me. Fine. Then I decide to go on the Jurassic Park ride. Because I never get oh, to go yeah. on <laughs> And I'm wearing a full parka at this point. It's cold out. It's like 50 degrees. But one of the girls who was with us wanted to go on. And I was like, I never get to. Nobody ever wants to do it. Like, I'll go on Jurassic Park. I love that ride. I think we went on it I summer. I went on Jurassic with you. We've gone on it. And we didn't get very wet, right? We, we just got a little sprinkle. No, it was completely fine. An enjoyable experience. I got drenched on this ride because they put me I did single rider which was a mistake I guess because it was a 75 minute wait literally a huge wave of water splashes upon me my leggings were soaked my hair was drenched thankfully I'm wearing this waterproof huge coat so that was fine so I had to walk around the rest of the night with like wet pants wet hair and then I had a hat, so I put my hat on. I put my hat on wet hair. So when I got to the movie, I turned to Callie and I was like, you'll never believe this. And my hair was like dried, but like when it's like stuck to your head like this, because it was like dried hat hair. 
Oh, no. So I was just walking around, like, soaked for, like, three more hours. And Universal Studios, if there's any, like, Universal head honchos listening, um, the food at the theme park is really bad, by the way. Like, it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) It's not good. It's kind of a stretch to call it food. Yeah, no, it's it's disgusting. It's slop. (laughs) So... (laughs) If you are in charge of Universal Studios Hollywood food and beverage, please reconsider your your worth. It's disgusting. <laughs> I got like a little Christmas-themed churro sandwich, and it had ice cream in it. And I was freezing, and I wanted something warm. And it was this little ice cream churro sandwich. That was actually very delightful, but I didn't want to eat. And also, it was a lot of sugar, so I didn't really eat a lot of it. And then we saw The Grinch Show, which was really fun and nice. And then I ran to the movie theater where I got AMC um, mac and cheese bites, which were warm and delicious. And my night ended up very nicely because I was just curled up in my reclining chair eating my mac and cheese bites, watching Wish. So it all ended out okay. But Universal Studios, the spirits were not happy. I was there. I wonder why. Well, I'm, I'm glad you survived. Wisteria Lane is at Universal. So at least I was close to the mothership. We are recapping episode 19, which is called Live Alone and Like It. Wait, do you know what's funny? Because I took a screenshot of it. Um, I went back to... I went on IMDb to look to see who the writer was because I missed it. And um, <laughs> the caption or the, the description for the um, episode on IMDb was, Lynette learns that no good deed goes unpunished <gasps> when she befriends Mrs. McCluskey. And I was like, it's all connected. And remember, we cast Lynette as Elphaba in our Wicked fan cast. I don't think we officially did that. Like, we officially posted. so we're We didn't to. officially do it, but we said that Lynette could pull off Elphaba. So speaking of Lynette, the episode opens with her having what I called an evil daydream. And she imagines Mrs. McCluskey keeling over and a Swedish family moving into her house. And she's just like, oh my gosh, if they had like two twin daughters, they could marry my twin sons, and we would all live happily ever after. That sounds like a nightmare. I've told you about my whole twins theory, right? When in every, literally every science class I've ever had since like sixth grade, I've asked the teacher this this question. Like if twins, twin boys marry twin girls and they have a kid, would they look identical? I saw an article about this actually very recently because they'd have all the same genes. What did the article say? I don't remember. I just saw an article that like twins married twins and then they had kids. I think they're genetically siblings when that happens. Like if twi- even if like siblings marrying siblings, even if they're not twins, all their kids are genetically siblings. But is that incest? No, it's not incest. It's just like like 
genetic just because it all goes by generation. So your cousins share one of the same grandparent, but they have another side of the family. So if their sister, if their mother and aunt married brothers, then they have the same two sets of grandparents. Yes. So that's why they're genetically siblings. I think the phrase genetically siblings is what's throwing me off. Yeah, it's just like, it's like a scientific thing. Like you share the same DNA, like the same DNA coding that siblings would. But anyway, just want you guys to know that I've had this question. One of my, one of my favorite questions when I was in that, when I was in academia. Um, but yeah, she, <laughs> she hates Mrs. McCluskey and she keeps bullying her for being old. It made me sad. Yeah, my note here is that Lynette is being really mean. So mean. And she just bullies her just because she's old and, and no other reason. And then Miss McCluskey collapses in front of her house. Yeah, she hesitates for a second and then she decides to do the right thing. Yeah, thank God. Because I love Mrs. McCluskey. And then we sort of see Lynette's swedish family daydream waving goodbye to her and it gave me a little bit of like a horror movie vibe to be honest yeah i didn't like that but you know how i feel about adult twins so yeah yeah um and then we see daddy mafia boss in the graveyard just sitting there this this made me sad like i know yeah he was like oh my god the whole time i've been searching for deirdre she's been dead and we learned that she was the woman in the box all chopped up like that must be like to hear your kid who you thought was alive and just was running around the world was chopped up in a box. I think that I might have been tearing up during this a bit because I wrote this is sad. So it actually did touch me. Yeah, it was very sad. And then Mike meets him and they chat. Next, we see Bree and Rex at Camp Hennessy. And I was wondering how long after the last episode was this? Because they start talking about having Christian counseling and basically they're they're all but saying the phrase conversion therapy. I think Susan said two weeks. Okay, that makes sense because now they're coming to get him and Rex is like, hey Brie, you gotta just act cool, like be totally normal. And Brie is like, yes, I can do that. And the second Andrew comes out, she's like, I would love you even if you were a murderer. Bestie, he is. It's just so funny how, first of all, she freaks out more about him being gay than um, than being a murderer. And <laughs> Rex is a man of the gays. He is straight but not narrow. He's no hate campaign. Like, he loves the LGBTs. And she's like, no, it's just a phase. I was shocked. The 180 that Rex has done in the last few episodes is truly admirable. I know. Like, he, I, I just, I really can't believe that he really campaigns for the LGBTs to the point where I think this is the first time that Brie, where I'm, this is the first time I, I can't be on Brie's side. I know. And it's hard. It's hard when she's been so consistent for so long. She's been so consistent and perfect, but. <sighs> You know, we draw the line at homophobia. <laughs> no, it's true. We do. Yeah. So then Sophie is flirting with the ice cream truck. Wow. My notes. Sophie fluting with the oost cream truck guy. 
And she's like, Susie, Susie, let's go clubbing and we can go meet men and go out together. Stop showing off your ability to do impressions when you know I can't do them. <laughs> and Susan's like, no, stop. You're crazy. Please. Like, there are children around. Susan was very much like, Mom, you're embarrassing me. And you really see the pattern because Susan has to parent her mom and Julie has to parent Susan. And it, it begs the question, what's going to happen to Julie's kid? Mrs. McCluskey is back from the hospital. She explains to Lynette that she OD'd on arthritis medicine. And so she goes and gives Lynette her Tiffany lamp as a thank you, which is just such like an absurd gift, I think. And she just kind of storms in and she's ready to make herself comfortable in Lynette's home. I know she's like, you are my family now, which is kind of sad. Like she really just doesn't have anybody else. So she just wants her, Lynette to make nice and Lynette's so mean to her. She's craving connection and you know, it's, I think it is reflective of a problem that does plague old people even today, you know, just not really having anybody else and all the friends that you may have had are past. Um, and it is a really sad thing, but it sort of humanizes this person who's been a minor character. Yeah, like she's more than just like the grouchy old lady. Then we get to Gabby and Carlos. And Carlos is like, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm, I was out of line. Like, I'll never hurt you again. And she's like, we'll throw away the post up. And then he threatens to take away all her credit cards and her money. Yes, Gabby threatens to kill him. And then Carlos threatens to kill her. Oh, right. Yeah, they both threaten each other's lives. But also, this is so, like, okay, girlies, girls listening, this is honestly why you just should never marry rich. Unless you have your own money and a job... Do not, if you don't have any money, do not marry somebody with a lot of money because then they control your life. And you're left with nothing. So right after the little Carlos and Gabby standoff, we see John Rowland kissing up Gabby's arm. She's like totally absent. She's not even thinking about it. And she starts talking about how she feels trapped and unhappy in her marriage. And it made me laugh out loud when John was trying to be her knight in shining armor and she's like john what did we talk about and he goes stop pretending we have a future <laughs> i know i i was tolerating john this time he was giving golden retriever boyfriend i guess and then john's like oh she's like i have no money i don't know what to do like he and again what happened to all she made a lot of money before what happened to all of it he's like you can take my credit card. And she's like, no, I could never do that to you. And he goes, no, please, I want to take care of you. She goes, okay. So she just takes the credit card. His student credit card, by the way. His student credit card, because he's still in high school, even though he lives on his own for some reason. Christy, I feel like all of the scenes between Lynette and Mrs. McCluskey left me feeling a little bit conflicted because we just talked about her humanity and how she is like, just kind of a lonely person and, and she's looking for some kind of connection and she thinks she finds it in Lynette. But in the next scene, Lynette is going to leave. And Mrs. McCluskey is like right there at her door. She's offering Lynette these avocados. And I noticed she says the word guacamole really weird. Um, but my major takeaway from this scene is Mrs. McCluskey's being kind of unfair. And she's like guilt tripping Lynette into spending time with her. I think that's just how elders are. I don't know. I think Lynette could just be a little bit nicer. 
Like, she just doesn't care that Mrs. McCluskey just doesn't have anybody else. And yeah, she has a bunch of other kids, but she just takes to Lynette now. But by that same token, Lynette should be kinder, yet Mrs. McCluskey's not her responsibility. I guess I know what you mean. I don't know. It's a tricky situation. So we get back to Susan and Sophie, and Sophie brings a man home, and Susan's, like, in her underwear, like, just sleeping in, like, a big extra-large t-shirt walking down the stairs, and she just sees Tim, and she's like, you can't do that. You know who Sophie should meet? Tom's dad. <gasps> Susan's mom, ex Tom's dad fanfic. Yeah, probably similar ages. They both like to take um, their hookups home to their adult children and grandchildren's house <laughs> for some reason. Maybe it's their kink. You know what really gets me going? Getting caught by my grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Susan, in the next scene, we see our pride and joy, Mike. He's in a parking garage meeting the cop who daddy mafia boss paid off and the cop does not trust mike at all he's antagonizing him and all of a sudden the cop just hits him and starts beating him up he's like drunk with power a cab a cab a cab like this is so gross it's it's so uncalled for is this the justice system came to this killer gets these files it's like okay but you are the one who took the bribe so you are the problem with the justice system not mike Mike Delfino is an innocent man. Mike Delfino is innocent. He's never done anything wrong in his life. We have to start a club, a fan club for innocent men of Wisteria Lane. It's just us praising them all day. Yes, straight white men. Ugh, I'm sorry, I can't, even, <laughs> I can't even say that seriously. I can't even say that. Yeah, but he still gets the file, but I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever paid attention to that scene before. Like, I feel like before I was like critically watching, it was just like, like, I just didn't realize what was actually happening there. So then, and this is really the beauty of this show because we see Mike getting beat up by a, by a corrupt police officer. And then in the very next scene, Gabby is sitting in a beautiful restaurant and all these men are looking at her. And I was like, this is really when the show, like, this is why this show is so good because you can just put these two completely opposite scenes in one after another and they work so she's sitting there at dinner and her credit card gets declined he he's like hey can you try another card and she starts freaking out and calls john and john reveals that the credit card company saw some suspicious activity on his account and called his mom <laughs> who canceled the credit card i just love these little like digs that they did like the student credit card like just to really show how young he actually is like his parents are still co-signing everything they must have had to co-sign that apartment if i was still in high school and i was like hey parents um i want to move out on my own down the street they would have been like get a grip they basically said that when you tried to move to la they did as a 25 year old in in the words of george santos Sue me for having a life. <laughs> oh my God, is that what he said? Yes. They said you were a drag queen in Brazil and he goes, sue me for having a life. So, but Gabby is like, okay, whatever. 
I'll figure it out. And then she just starts looking at these men looking at her and she goes, I got this. Okay, so then we get back to the Lynette and Mrs. McCluskey saga. And Mrs. McCluskey didn't answer her door, so this delivery man comes over and gives Lynette a package for her and has Lynette sign. And Lynette's like, hmm, that's kind of weird, but she doesn't think too much of it at that point. She just kind of lets it go, but she's still suspicious. She ding-dong ditches the package so she doesn't have to talk to Mrs. McCluskey. Isn't that... And we didn't even talk about how when Karen McCluskey was in the ambulance and she was like, Lynette, can you please come with me? And she goes, no, I don't want to. And she goes, I don't want to be by myself. I don't want to be alone. That's mean. I know. Lynette has a bit of a mean streak. She does. Which is why I'm a Lynette Moon. That's what I was going to say. That's when Gabby starts flirting with a man to pay for her meal. As she should. As she should. Good for her. See, that's what you want to do. Scam the men for money, but don't marry them. Don't marry that one because he's just going to control your life. So just stay single and keep scamming, essentially. Yeah, and at this point, the guy is paying for dinner and he's like, oh, you know, I'd love to see you again. And Gabby's like, oh, well, I'm actually kind of in a relationship right now. And he's like, I understand, like dinner's on me, which I thought was actually really nice because I feel like men today would be like, you live me on. And not that they wouldn't pay for the meal, but they, they would be very um, resentful of it, I think. I agree. I think it's because he was older. So he probably was like divorced or widowed or something. So he was just very happy to be in the company of a beautiful woman. Um, so then Andrew's back from Camp Hennessy and he see and uh brie and rex are talking and brie has invited reverend sykes over to talk to andrew and rex is like come on like you can't do this like this is so obvious and bad she's like oh well, i'm gonna do it anyway and then andrew comes in and he goes why is there four place settings danielle is at wendy's so we know where she is she has a friend named wendy or she's at the fast food chain restaurant that is true. No, because she said he said, is she staying at Wendy's tonight? So I'd really hope that she's not <laughs> sleeping over at a fast food restaurant. Did you know that name didn't exist before Peter Pan? What? Yeah. Stop it. Are you serious? That's not possible. I know. And Madison was not a woman's name until the movie Splash with Tom Hanks. <sighs> okay, can you cite your sources for... These are facts. I've just no. Okay. <laughs> just trust me. <laughs> Source, just trust me, bro. <laughs> These are just like pop culture fun facts I know. But that doesn't make any sense about Wendy. Wendy? He just came up with it. P PJ Bianco or whatever his name was who wrote. It's it's definitely not PJ Bianco. Um you mean you mean um J Barnum? No. <laughs> You're going to just make every combination of J and P possible. Um, James Pierpont. No. <laughs> J, J, wait. A theory. No, no, no. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I don't want you to do it. I want to guess it. I want to guess it. I know this name. Do not look it up. Okay, I just looked it up. Why would you look it up? I just told you not to. I haven't said it, so you can tell me what you know. Okay, it's 
stop. I know this. It's j. It's something berry. Something. Yes. You're close. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Peter Pan by. I know it's. I know it starts with a J. J. Is it James? Oh, uh, uh. Two. It's, it's an abbreviated name. It's initials. Yeah, J. Uh. Wait. J. Pierpont. Rosemary. Um. It's J. J oh, just tell me. J.M. Barry. J.M. Barry! I wouldn't have gotten that. I know. I don't even remember what I said. J.P. Morgan. Close enough. <laughs> the photo dump's going to be crazy this week. <laughs> I know. We haven't even gotten to the dinner. The thing about this scene is that we haven't seen Brie and Rex in a long time. Everything's been going back and forth, I feel like, between Lynette and Gabby, but we haven't really seen as much Brie and Susan. Oh, in this episode, you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they, I think this was filler episode, so they didn't really have a set A story this time. Yeah. The women weren't together at all this episode is what I noticed. I think all their storylines were pretty strong, and there was something going on, and I thought it was okay this time. I didn't mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Reverend Sykes is at dinner, and he's being very, I would say... I don't think he's outwardly homophobic. I think he's just not okay with gay because he's a reverend. He's just like basically calling, like saying like, Andrew, like if you're unhappy with the way you are, we've had a lot of success with our Christian therapy. And he's like, I love myself. I have no issues. He loves being gay. And, and then Reverend Sykes is kind of like, oh, well, you know, there's nothing really we can do if you're happy with it. Like, then, all right, all right, cool. Like, he's he's kind of just, like, running a program where, like, if a gay was unhappy with being gay, he's like, I'll fix you. But if you like being a gay, all right, no worries. Yeah, I really appreciated that coming from Reverend Sykes. And, of course, Brie is starting to feel, I guess, gaslit because she's like, how am I the only one who sees something wrong with this? <laughs> The correct word is not gay. It's sodomy. Yeah. The way she used the word sodomy at the dinner table is crazy. I can't believe, like, gays haven't normalized using the word sodomy. They're not taking it back yet? No. Like, isn't that a little surprising? Yeah. Like, they've taken back all the words. Gays, take, start calling <laughs> <laughs> What are these? The LSBT. <laughs> like, oh my god, have you been to the new sodomist club in West Hollywood? It's so fun. <laughs> Spread the word to start the word. <laughs> it's sodomy nights at Disneyland next week. <laughs> Like, take it back, you guys. We're going to start doing that in you, you gays. I'm sorry. Um, then Rex is like, stop. Stop this. I don't. Like, he loves the LGBTs. And um, 
Andrew doesn't care. He's not phased. He's like, whatever. I kind of expected my mom to hate gays. It's fine. And then um, he turns to Rex and he's like, can I please drink alcohol? And Rex is like, no, I need all of this. And then Bree goes, no wonder Rex is okay with all of this. Andrew, your father's into S&M. I have to beat him every night. I was like, she crossed a line. Like, you don't want to know that about your parents. Like, that's disgusting. And especially in front of the Reverend. That poor Reverend. He knows everything that Reverend Sykes knows about the Vandekamp family is against his will. Really against his will. He's like, this is not what I signed up for when I joined the church. He just wanted to help somebody pray the gateway, and <laughs> he can't. But, oh well. Oh well. Then we go to Susan and her mom standing by Susan's car. She, like, just got home. And Sophie thinks that Susan hates her for uh, sort of flashing, like, the fun that she's been having with these men in Susan's face. And she's like, I'm so sorry that I've been gloating about all of this stuff I've been doing. So we're going to go on a double date. And Susan is like, we are not doing that. But she walks into her home and the double date is already there. And he brought peppermint schnapps. These are two men you would absolutely find in a Burbank dive bar. Ugh, I don't know. Um, and then Lynette sees that Karen. I started calling her Karen in my notes because writing McCluskey was too annoying. Um, I wrote Mrs. McSee. Oh, I just started saying Karen. Um, she sees that McCluskey has not picked up her mail, and now she's like, okay, I'm getting a little bit worried. Yeah, and she talks to Tom about it, and Tom is just unhelpful. Like, he does not seem to care. Yeah, he was a glorified extra this episode, but good for Doug Zafant. He got that paycheck. <laughs> a couple words. And then Carlos is sitting in the tub watching sports, and Gabby comes in. She goes bought some new shoes today and he's like okay and then he goes how i cancel all your credit cards and she's like pretty women are never lonely i can get somebody else to pay if i want i wrote that down because i just thought it was such an iconic line but um so then she's like yeah you're you are cutting out that prenup or i'll just get something somewhere else and that's the thing it's like you just need to trust her so then we go a couple doors down to Susan's house where this double date, quote unquote, is happening. It's not going very well, but my, my biggest note here is who does a double date at their home? Yeah, that's bad. It's weird. Yeah, very strange. Because also like the vibes are just going to be weird there. Like you want an ambiance at least. And then Susan's just like fighting her. She's like, no, like I, Lamont is just like being weird. So they run outside and... Um, he says something, I don't know, he says something like, yeah, just leave her alone. She goes, Lamont, give up. You're not getting any. And then she's like, mom, why can't you understand? Mike was the one, blah, blah, blah. And then she starts crying and it made me sad. I know, it made me really sad too. She's like, I'm so broken. And we know that she still loves Mike, but this is the time where she's really coming out with it and being honest with her mom about it, about it too. Yeah, and she's like, you can just get over these guys. Like, I can't. He was the one. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. 
Then Lynette finally to check on Karen. And as it turns out, she can't even open her arthritis medication because her hands are the problem. And they gave her like a childproof lock, which is the problem with this. George, it was probably George's fault. (gasps) Yes, he was. Because he's stupid and he's too busy poisoning Rex to realize he gave an arthritic woman pills she can't even open. I feel like at this point, I've sort of forgotten about George's existence. Yeah, they. I didn't realize that he like vanishes for this long. I really thought he was going to be in it for like the rest of the show. Yeah, I thought so too. But he he feels like he was such a major player in season one. So now to not have however many episodes we've not had with him, it's like how are they going to wrap this up in the next what is it four episodes that we have left of the season? And then finally, Lynette starts to feel bad, and she's like, "No, like I'm going to come help you out around here." So she came around, thankfully. Finally. And then we see Bree talking to Andrew. She tells a story about his birth and that it was very scary because he had the cord wrapped around his neck when he was being birthed, I guess. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Bree is like, I told the doctor not to worry about me and to save you. And it comes out that she is scared he won't go to heaven by being gay. Once again, he ran over a woman. (laughs) Driving drunk. Is manslaughter a mortal sin? He felt no remorse hitting a woman. With a car. He's not getting into heaven because he's gay. I think this was the scene where I was like, you know, Brie, I really can't be on your side this episode because I think you have th- something a little bit, something's mixed up. Like, I think in order of like, if, you know, you get to the pearly gates and they're like, all right, let's check all your sins. I feel like killing a woman, technically, would might be above <laughs> being gay. a sodomite. Yeah. So I I I have to question what's going on with the writers yet again because it feels like we had a set of writers who loved Brie, hated Rex, and now the tables have turned and Brie is public enemy number 1. <laughs> I think she just I don't I'm not going to say she's public enemy number 1. I think, you know, she was a little bit too perfect. And everybody was beating on her, and she was this perfect person. So we need to see her have some flaw. I guess. And that flaw is homophobia. Homophobia, if you will. But you know what? She It's not like she condemns him for life. Like, she becomes... Right. She is just... We said this before, but she is textbook mother of gay son thought daughter. Somebody like Brie Vandekamp's not going to have a straight son. You think somebody who grows up eating like that's going to turn out straight? <laughs> Come on. But something about telling Andrew that he's not going to get into heaven, I like that like does something to him. Like for some reason that's what gets to him a little bit. Like that really hurt him. So then we see Susan's mom and she goes over to visit Mike. And she basically, like, knocks on his door, and she's like, Susan still loves you. And he goes, okay. 
<laughs> with his black eye, now's not really a good time. He looked great with that black eye, though. He looks amazing. He looks fantastic. I was like, wow, get beat up more often. Um, so if he's like, just please talk to Susan. She, she really, really misses you. And he goes, I just found out somebody I was very close to has died. I can't talk about this right now. And just kind of shut the door in his face, in her face. And then he goes in the room and he is looking at the files from Geppetto. And he sees Paul's name and he's like, that's suspicious. Did you say Geppetto? I called him, that was the bo- the toy maker. I was calling him Geppetto. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> clever yeah we don't know his name so i just remember that whenever we met him that was geppetto (laughs) yes and then of course naturally we see andrew go and meet up with the reverend he wants to talk to him and andrew is like hey i'm not actually gay and i feel like the scene has a lot of layers because is he telling the reverend that he's not gay so he'll get into heaven it's like God will know. The The reverend won't know, though. (laughs) He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Like, the Lord is knowing if you are being gay. So it's not like Reverend Sykes is the one being like, Andrew Vanderkamp, homosexual. Maybe Andrew thinks that Reverend Sykes is going to get on the phone with God that night and be like, hey, just wanted to give you an update. Uh, got the Vandekamp kid. He said he's actually not gay. Just thought you should know. You can you can update your records. Talk to you soon. So does he think that like, <laughs> these reverends are like God's eyes and ears? And yeah, like, dear God, Andrew's straight. Amen. <laughs> That's Bree's prayer every night before bed. (laughs) Dear God, please make my son love women. Amen. That's literally pray the gay away. She's trying so hard to pray the gay away. It's not going to work, Bree. Like Lohanthony. Lohanthony. Tell me. You, You don't know about Lohanthony? What happened with Lohanthony? You know who this is? I've heard the name. So Lohanthony, back in the day, was this little gay kid who loved Lindsay Lohan and Lady Gaga and just, like, loved pop stars. I saw some tweet, like, every gay kid is, um, like, given a famous woman to love by age 13 and devout his life to. And that's so true. And this was Lohanthony. I don't remember exactly discovered him it was some video i don't know but he was a flaming flaming gay child and now and i think at some point he like discovered christianity went to conversion (gasps) camp and now he's talking about how he's no like it's actually like scary oh my god look at his instagram he has three posts up, one million followers, and it's completely a religious account. Yeah, because he got all those followers being like, oh, yeah. No, it's really scary. 
he would go, Lohanthony's video of the week, or something like that. Oh my gosh. So Andrew's talking to, um, sorry guys, we're just passionate about the gays. Um, so Andrew is telling the reverend that he is a, is a hetero, just wants to hurt his mother. And he goes, mm-hmm. I promise I'm going to be the perfect child. And Reverend Sykes is like amazing. And he goes, and then one day I'm going to do something so terrible to her that it's going to rock her world and destroy her. And then I remembered exactly what that was. And again, like, what is he like? Is this is this like a layered scene in which he thinks he's really roughed up about going to hell? So he's like, I just need to tell the Reverend I'm straight, but also... I'm revenge is best or cold and I want to destroy my mother. I think it's that because we've seen evidence of Andrew being a little bit sociopathic in the past. Clearly he's been a sociopath since birth. Like he, he probably was like in the womb and being like, I'm going to, I'm going to upset my mom, wrap the umbilical cord around his own throat. <laughs> about to kill himself to get back at his mother. And he wasn't even born yet. He's been doing this since before he became Earthside. Yeah, he was literally in utero. <laughs> and this is why we should not have kids. Do not bring children into the world, everyone. That's Stop. the takeaway. Stop having kids. They've never done anything good. And all they want is a snack. And all they do is ask for a snack and get revenge. Wait, also, I have it quoted. Reverend Sykes goes, are you a heterosexual or aren't you? Like, that's just so funny. <laughs> I just think the casuality of using homosexual and heterosexual is so funny. And then we get to the final monologue. Carlos is ripping up the post-nup. Reverend, finally, Reverend is terrified of Andrew. He's like, this kid is, he and Paul, he and, he and, um, and Zach Young really should have teamed up. I think they would have been good little sociopaths together. Let me put it on the fanfic list. All in all, this episode, it was good because there, there wasn't, like, I feel like we got through this one pretty fast because there wasn't a, a lot of action, but the storylines were just so strong. That's the problem with shows these days is people are too scared to have, like, something offensive on TV when it's something we all relate to. Like, when I see a misogynistic person on TV, I'm not like, oh, my God, I don't want to say this. I'm just like, no, like, this, this is something that happens in the world it should be represented yeah. on tv because people are affected by these stories yeah it's something real that has happened and unfortunately will continue to happen but you know you have those characters because it is a reflection of the real world and that's what film tv etc are supposed to be theater too well christy thanks for podcasting with me today all right guys follow us on instagram and tiktok we are going to tell Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the flippity flip. Oh, also to the 133 people who we are their top um, podcast, thank you so much for listening and sharing. We love you. Also, come forward because, again, we really want to connect more with you guys. Yeah, if you post your Spotify wrapped and you tag us, we will repost you and we'll get to know you a little bit. This has been... We know what you did. It makes us sick. We're going to town.